Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Alex Jarbo from Sargon Investments. Welcome, Alex. Well, thanks for having me on. Sure. A uh, little bit about Alex. Alex is the founder and CEO of Sargon Investments. He's a regular contributor to some of the top real estate investment investing podcasts in the world. He's also the host of the YouTube channel, Alex Builds, where he teaches how to properly build and manage short-term rentals. Sargon Investments is a short-term rental resort development firm. He worked to provide above-average double-digit returns to his accredited investors. So with that, Alex, share me how, how do you get into uh, real estate and short-term rentals? Yeah, absolutely. So coming out of the Marine Corps, I served about four and a half years in the Marine Corps, and I just had reached a point uh, in my life. I was mainly served out of D.C. Uh, that's where I was stationed. And I just got to a point uh, where I felt like I wanted to do more. Um, I started reading about investing, just general investing books, and uh, sort of started to veer into the world of real estate. And um, I had talked to a couple of people. I didn't really want to move back to where I originally came from. I'm born and raised in Michigan. And um, I, I, I sort of stumbled upon someone on a couple of blog posts that was, this is back in 2016, um, early 2016, talking about short-term rentals. And even at the time, that time, like Airbnb started to get big. Uh, and I had reached out to one of the contributors of one of the blogs I was looking at. And I was just asking him about different questions and different markets. And he had said something about Asheville, North Carolina being a really good market. Same thing with Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. But after looking at all the different options, I had decided on Asheville. And then the day I left the military is when I moved down here. Became a real estate agent about like three or four months into moving here. Enjoyed being a real estate agent, but I also didn't enjoy it. Um, I saw that instead of, I moved here for the short-term rentals. And um I, I, instead of just helping people purchase them and sell them, I wanted to sort of just get involved in one. At the time, I wasn't making too much money. So, I mean, it was a little difficult to get a loan. I think the minimum, the maximum I was like approved for was like 180,000. And at that time, and definitely right now, they're like, I couldn't find anything on the market that, in my opinion, would have rented well as a short term rental. So, we just decided to build our first property. So, our first property was a 900 square foot uh, A frame. And that one's just been doing phenomenal ever since, even through COVID, it, it did really well. And one turned into two, turned into turned into four, and then the um, as of like recording this, we're we're building or acquiring 17 properties this year, and uh, I'm looking to do some other bigger projects like 40 to 50 cabin developments. Got it. So before jumping into details, so you are also Guinness Book Record holder. So would you share a little bit more about that? Oh, that's funny. Uh, I, I even I, I forgot I even told you about that. Yeah. So um, back before the military, I was actually a, a magician for like when I was a kid to about 16 years old, uh, 17 years old. And I've always carried the the street magic stuff with me, just like at like networking events and everything. Uh, but I always wanted to like have a Guinness world record ever since I was a little kid, like going through the book and everything. But that's, that's funny. So uh, it's a, it's a, I wanted something related to magic, either coins or cards. Um, so I just started looking up how to do it. And at that time it was, this was about two years ago. It was, it was, or three years ago, it was very, uh, very simple it, and it was cheap. It was free. Essentially. You just had to wait like six months for it to get reviewed. Cause I didn't pay anyone to like come out or anything. It was just, I just submitted the the videos myself and everything, but 
Yeah, the, I'm actually staring at it right now. The Guinness World Record things, like frames right next to me. My goal is to put it behind me eventually, but I haven't gotten there. Okay, so 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 you're applying your street magic into a rental a rental uh, development site? Yeah, street magic, Marine Corps, and then rentals. Okay, okay, got it, got it. So like, uh, how do you like identify the you know locations or you know what what is your criteria in selecting locations for you know building these uh, short term rentals? Yeah, so uh, we'll start on the on on the macro side, and we'll sort of dial into like the actual like sub markets and exactly how we exactly look into that. So I like to invest in scenic markets for the most part. I'm I'm fortunate with Asheville because there's there's markets that are about hour hour four to five markets that are that would do really well that are about an hour hour and a half away from me, including where I live currently. Um, usually scenery can, can constitute a, a really good investment opportunity for short-term rentals, especially if th- you tend to not want to invest in an area that is very heavily focused on one industry, right? So if you're looking at multifamily, self-storage, anything, but with like the short-term rental stuff, obviously, like if it's a good short-term rental market, more than likely it's going to be, it's It's going to be hospitality driven. The market is, uh, that market is, and digging down a little bit deeper after you find the market. Um, I always tell people like whoever's looking to start wherever you live, if you already don't live in a vacation area, I guarantee there's there's a place somewhere within an hour to two of you that you like people who you grew up with or where you live like to vacation at. So a good example of that is San Diego. People will go up to Big Bear Lake. They'll go up to Joshua Tree in New York. People will go up to like us upstate New York um, to, to sort of get away. So that's what that's what we do. We invest in more rural areas, um, log cabins, A-frames, tree houses and such modern contemporary like cabins as well um chalets um and the biggest thing for me honestly is access when it comes to looking at a property uh, when i when i get a property across my desk i immediately go onto google maps i go into the uh, my county's gis system and i look at what the drive for my guest is going to look like right the most important to me i don't a lot of the times like the guests are traveling at night they're coming to a new area they don't want to be driving down 20, 30 minutes down a gravel road. You don't want your guests to be annoyed the second they walk into your house, right? Um, so when you're looking at it, or if you already identified your market, the, the biggest thing is is going to be access to the property, is is fun, like making sure that the, the guest has easy access to the property. Um, so like for us, it's going to be a double lane state maintained road is the goal, like coming off of a paved road um, and then the driveway. So. Got it. Yeah, definitely. That's very, very important point, like access to that property. And also like, now, how long it will take once you identify the property, how long it will take to build that property? What is yeah, our one? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, just things are the, the biggest hiccup right now is probably permits Um, just because just getting into the pipeline with the county, but probably from identifying the property to going under contract to having a property that's ready to be furnished and built and furnished and ready to be rented out. I would say anywhere between six six to 10 months, depending on how much grading and how much site work needs to be done. Now, a strategy that we took on right after the first lockdown of COVID is we ended up purchasing properties. We, we, we started purchasing properties that had some land attached to them that was buildable. So like we just closed on one last week where it was a 3,200 square foot log cabin, and then there was four acres attached to it. So It'll probably take two months to get once the furniture comes in, about two months to get that proper the main property fully furnished and everything. It was already practically turnkey ready. And then once that property is stabilized and that money that property is throwing off cash flow, we we go to a commercial lender 
and uh, we show like the, the essentially just get it appraised, and then hopefully it appraises to um, at a certain amount where we can just take that money out, the equity out, and then use that as the down payment to build the other properties. Um, that's the strategy we took on recently, um, just because things obviously did slow down a lot with finding good work and tradesmen and materials costs and everything, and just simple uh, supply chain issues as well. Got it. So there are a couple of questions. So how how exactly lending works for the short term rentals for mainly like development? But yeah, lending. So this was something I just had to learn with trial and error. Um, when it comes to some of these bigger projects, so right now we're doing a six cabin development and then all the way up to that 50 unit cabin development. A lot of hospitality lenders that are used to lending on RV parks, that are used to lending on new construction hotel development. That's who I ended up going to. And I found a really good broker um, just with talking to different people through either podcasts or through it, through my network uh, that referred me over to the broker I currently use. But I think it's very important to, and you can Google them as well, is finding a hospitality lender that already speaks the talk of hospitality like businesses in terms of like they understand like ref par, they understand like average daily rates. They, uh, they understand all those terms where you don't have to teach a new lender on the on this topic essentially and a big part is just the getting the property to get a like getting a commercial appraisal on the property compared to a residential appraisal because they are all the properties that we build are permanent foundation stick built homes and they're all separate they're not connected to each other so a lot of times we ran into the issue of a lender wanting to give us financing for a short-term rental but they won't they won't appraise it as a as a business they won't appraise it as a they'll they want to appraise it as a residential property and i understand why but um, that's the that's the biggest thing is finding a hospitality lender, um, which right now they are open to this stuff. Like it, it sort of cats out of the bag a little bit with short term rentals, and also they short term rentals. If you look at the the data, the short term rentals did perform relatively well because people were forced to. They the international was travel was cut off completely, um, so short term rentals did good during the pandemic or during the lockdowns at least. Got it. So how are the lending terms compared to residential? Very similar. Um, very similar, like LTV requirements, anywhere between 70 to 75% max. And then the rates are very similar. I mean, they're, the, the, I use a broker, um, so he's, they get a, a performance fee at the end um, uh, once the loan is closed or once the property is closed. But it's, it's, it's honestly not any different than getting a multifamily loan. And then on the development side, it's just, it's the same type of terms. It's a lot of, we like to get con, like a one-time closed loan construction to perm loans compared to going through bridge financing and then refinancing out of that. And there are lenders that offer that now, even with rates going up, the, the properties are still profitable. Um, even with rates going up like two, 3%. Got it. Got it. And the other point is like, yeah, are you going with in-house development team or you're using third-party development team? Yeah, so it's so I don't I don't have anyone on salary in terms of on the development side, um, but I've just established really good relationships with GCs that tend to put me first um, in terms of just the amount of properties that I can offer to them. I've sort of just gotten first dibs with these two specific GCs that I have, these general contractors, and that's essentially the development team. I haven't found anyone yet that I that I feel like can do a better job than me in terms of going out and actually finding the land. I have a real estate agent as well. I'm still a licensed agent, but this real estate agent does a way better job than me at finding off-market deals. But in terms of a development team, it's mainly me, the real estate agent, and then my obviously my general contractor and his crews, which I mean can number up to 60 or 70 people. 
Um, but it's not, it's not in house. I just third party, but we have really good relationships where mainly the, the GCs are mainly just working on my projects. Cause I'm able to give them the, I'm able to give them 10, 15 projects a year. Got it. Got it. So would you share any of her best experience so far? With the short-term rentals, I'll tell you, it was probably my first cabin. Um, my, my first, my best experience, um, was the first, the first property we built prior to COVID my ROI, my cash on cash ROI was like, I want to say like 80% a year. It was, it was something ridiculous. Like I, I was pretty much doubling my initial capital every year that I put into that deal, if not way more than that. Yeah, that was probably my best experience so far. What's not what's what's cool now is we're we're purchasing some of these larger properties. So for a while I was sticking to the 800 to 1500 square foot properties, which still do really well. I mean, like I, I'm in this market, a property can net like a property that big can or 8 to 800 to 1500 square foot can net anywhere between 50 to 70,000 a year. Um, but what's been super exciting is sort of getting into some of these bigger deals that can sleep 12, 14, 16 people that are like 32 to 4,000 square foot, different demographic, more like families and multiple families. Um, but those are going to be exciting. Um, some of the luxury cabins that we're developing or purchasing as well. Awesome. Awesome. And also, would you share any challenging experiences in uh, short-term rental space? The biggest thing I will say is just make sure that you just have a GC that you trust, a GC that you trust. And then, I mean, things have gotten a little bit sketchy in terms of just dealing with tradesmen and COVID and everything. Um, just with any any other business right now, it's like, it's it's definitely difficult to find work. And that's why we shifted into the model of first acquiring property compared to developing from raw land. But the biggest challenge is there aren't too many mentors in the real estate development game. There are in like the flipping and the, the multifamily space and the, the short-term rental space overall, um, but not many too, too many development mentors. And that, that probably is the biggest challenge. It's just making sure like you don't know what you don't know when you're, when you're stepping into development, every city, every County has their own jurisdictions as well. So making sure that you're up to date on what your short-term rental laws are in the city and your County as well. Got it. Thank you. So on what is your current focus? Share something you're excited about now. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just excited about this new model that we're doing with the, uh, with the 40 to 50 cabin micro resorts. That's something that I'm, I'm starting to see pop up throughout the whole country, but I haven't really seen anything like it pop up. Like where I, I've seen boutique, boutique hotels have sort of po- started popping up everywhere. And I love, love, love staying at boutique hotels whenever I travel over like, um, over like a larger hotel, um, just to sort of get some ideas and stuff for my properties. But I'm just super excited of like where hospitality is going. Um, it's going to more individualistic. It's people are stepping away from like the boring cut and dry hotel and they're looking for a property that they can have an experience in outside of the city. Okay, got it. Yep. Thank you. And good luck with that. Thank you. Uh, Any one advice that you have received have impact on you? Yeah, I mean, so it's 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 not mainly a piece of advice. It's just a book that the, the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan just learning how to structure your day and committing to one big thing every day has been, has had the most impact on my life, dedicating three hours a day to one specific tax task, being it your most important task has been night and day difference for me. Good. And any books that impacted your life and what way? 
Yeah, I, I can recommend three of them. Um, one of them is going to be the one thing like I just talked about. The second one is going to be the 12 week year, um, which sort of plays off the stuff that is taught on uh, in the one thing. And the last one's more of a, a financial book. The Creature from Jekyll Island just talks about how the Federal Reserve and just how inflation and money works. That's probably the Creature from Jekyll Island is probably the most impactful books I've ever read. Just an overall good financial book. Okay, great, great. And how are you giving back to community, Alex? Yeah, so I mean, this is this is huge. So when I when I lived in D.C. when I was in the military, I did a lot of uh, volunteering and stuff. But I I'm a I'm a short term rental mentor to to a mastermind um, that I I'm not like I don't own or I'm an owner of in any way. Um, that's one thing I do. And second thing is just making sure I I, I want to be a voice. I am a voice in my community when it comes to the short term rental stuff. Is when you look at the news and a lot of times you'll see something about short-term rentals or Airbnbs or something bad happens and short-term rentals get a bad rap of, you've developed, developers have a bad rap of coming into a community, whether it be your, your short-term rental operator or a developer coming into a community and ruining it. And that's one thing, um, standing in, representing myself in some of the board meetings with my county of getting approvals to, for some of these projects. Um, I've, I've never not been approved for a project for a variance or a special use permit just because I like to relate the fact that I truly care about the community that I'm bringing my properties into. So that that's just been trying to be a voice in my community about for short-term rentals and just representing the hosts here as well. Because a lot of the hosts here are onesies and twosies. They have one properties, two properties, and it just helps it helps them supplement their income and like live a comfortable life. And how can listeners can connect with you, Alex? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the quickest way um, if you guys want to add me. Um, and then also my website, browninvestments.com. Um, Sargon with an S. Um, you guys can see my investor portal through there. And then also I'm putting together a course um, that we have a wait list for right now, um, just on the short-term rental development side. And then we're also throwing in a, 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 man, a, a minor management course as well. So like after you get it developed, you're going to want like some sort of systems or anything that I'm, I'm putting together. That course should be done in the next couple of months or so. Awesome. And thank you, Alex. Uh, thanks for sharing your experience around short-term rental developments. Thank you very much. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.